a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors, brought to you by Bear River Lodge. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. Our host is Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. All right, so as we head into hour number two and the final one for the program, Navinowskis has uh, transitioned from the front room, getting himself dressed, to uh, the parking garage, I think, uh, uh, which will be uh, remain an undisclosed location for a, a day of skiing today with his wife, Gail, in this first full week of retirement for everybody. Let me just tell everybody what's uh, coming up later in this hour. We'll do a little road tripping with uh, Bob. Mark is actually, I think, in San Diego, so um, if I was him, I wouldn't be, you know, connecting with us today. I'd be enjoying myself down there. So Bob has another secret uh, destination for us, and we'll get a little wrap-up on what his visit to Bryce Canyon was like last night at Ruby's Inn. Snow Day, we'll have a conversation with Blaine Wilkie at Sundance. I'm looking forward to that conversation, Navi, because uh, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about Sundance, especially since they went under new ownership. Yeah, that's correct. I haven't skied Sundance in quite a while, so it'll be fun to hear what he has to say. We'll try and uh, twist Blaine's arm to see about uh, getting down there. Roger Eggett, of course, will wrap up the program for us this week at uh, Bear River Lodge. So uh, all of that to cover in the next in the next hour. We were talking uh, in the first hour, Navi, about some of the pictures that have been coming out coming out of Strawberry. There's been some monsters coming through the ice, and not just cutthroat or rainbows. There's uh, kokanee. You know um, that fishery is so prolific. The nutrition that's available there. There's no reason why we shouldn't get lunkers every year through the ice. Randy Opplinger is our sport fish coordinator for the Division of Wildlife Resources. For most people, Randy, and this kind of makes me sad a little bit because there are so many other fishing opportunities, ice fishing opportunities this time of year. For many people, though, it sort of begins and ends at Strawberry, but it's not a a bad place to go, right? No, absolutely. Strawberry is a great place to go, and it's been fishing very well through the ice this year. So it's definitely a great opportunity, but... You know, to be honest with you, there's a lot of other ice fishing opportunities in the state. You know, they may not be strawberry in terms of producing consistently large kokanee, cutthroat, and rainbows all on the same trip. But we've got some other places that produce, you know, great perch and bluegill and crappie and, you know, other opportunities for people to get out. And I think, and uh, we mentioned this, we didn't have you last week, but we were talking about ice fishing that some people may be surprised to hear you talk about perch and bluegill and crappie. They just don't think of those as being available fish for us this time of year, but they are. Yeah, they absolutely are available, and they're probably here in Utah, one of the most commonly sought-after species. I think perch in particular get a a lot of fishing pressure during the winter months. And, of course, trout get a lot of fishing pressure, too. I don't want to set them aside. But, you know, I think they're a species that um, maybe gets a little less pressure during the summer, although they are very popular in the summer. But that that pressure ramps up during the winter months because they're a great species. And the same is true with crappie and bluegill. 
We've had so much snow, which bodes well for these lakes and reservoirs to fill up in the spring and summer coming up, which makes us all happy. But I'm wondering, because of the water content of the snowfall, is that causing problems for slush and things on the ice, or have you had any reports on that lately? Uh, We've definitely got some reports for that. So I I think, you know, this year um, ice fishing has been a little bit of a challenge, right? I think a lot of places we have good ice. The issue is that uh, because of the warmer temperatures we've had, there's been a lot of, you know, water content, a lot of wash coming down instead of snow, been some rainy days. So a lot of our reservoirs have a, a lot of water on top, and the edges could be a little bit soft, too, because of the warmer temperatures. So be careful there. I heard somebody just today apparently went out the strawberry, and they said there was about 10 inches of, of sloppy, Yikes. wet stuff on top. Ugh. So, you know, you, you, you could get there. There's good ice. But, you know, I think definitely when you're going out, you need to be cognizant of that and probably bring some extra boots and socks because you're going to get wet. Yeah, and maybe some hip weight, <laughs> it sounds like. And that's one of the challenges, Nami, is uh, it's tough to tell what the ice conditions are when they're underneath 10 or 12 inches of slush. Well, the temperatures are going to drop over the next week and a half. So I think that's going to go away. That that snow is going to be powdery. I think you're going to be fine. But I do want to reiterate um, the emphasis in those warm water fish, the crappie, the bluegill, the, the perch, because those fish are really conducive to the up and down motion that you do in, in um ice fishing so when you think of ice fishing frankly those are the fish you're targeting and utah is just a weird outlier when it comes to ice fishing that we catch trout too yeah and that's a great point because you're not casting out somewhere randy you're just dropping it in there uh the only movement you really can put on uh that ice fly or whatever you've got if you've got it uh, tipped with perch meat or a mealy worm or something the only movement you have is up and down, and what we find through the years is that a lot of times those fish are taking it on the drop because they think something's come into the water. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, you're you're effectively vertically jiggling when you're ice fishing, and you know it's it, it's right that that drop really cues the fish in, and you know, oftentimes you get a strike when you're dropping your your your, your lure in. You know, that that downward motion that falls to the bottom, you know, gets strikes and. You know, a lot of people when they're fishing, too, I, I think a common technique is you jig it up and down. And then, you know, every once in a while you pick it up a few feet, and let it drop in that fall to get a strike off. Them. Yeah. Nobby, this is something we always want to tell people, too. And I was uh, struggled with this, quite frankly, the first couple of times I went out. It is such a subtle hit. You almost, rather than feeling anything, have to kind of watch the line down in the hole. And when it stops a little bit, that may be a fish. You know, it's not really subtle. They hit it the same way every time, but you have an inability to detect that because the line isn't taut. So you got to be a line watcher. you got to watch it sink at a consistent rate. And if there's a hesitation, that is a fish. There's no structure down there, so 100% is a fish every time. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that is a good way to make it simple. All right, run me through some of your other hot spots, Randy. Yeah, you know, some of the other hot spots we've got, you know, you look kind of Salt Lake area, Echo Reservoir, Rockport, Pineview. Those are all kind of Salt Lake area, Ogden area waters that are good places to go ice fishing. A little further north, Manaway is, you know, frequently pretty good for ice fishing. You know, Schofield, if you live a little maybe further south in the Salt Lake area, more in the Provo area, that's a pretty easy one to hit. Honestly, if you live in Salt Lake, it's a couple-hour drive, but that one's been fishing really well. 
if you live more out in the vernal area or you want to make a drive, you have Flaming Gorge and Starvation. They're, they're great waters to hit for uh, some ice fishing. And down in the southern part of the state, Fish Lake and Penguin have been fishing pretty well so far this year. Fish Lake is one of those I hit. And, you know, back to the idea of catching perch, uh, we almost had more than we could stand on uh, the day that I was there the last time. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a lot of perch in Fish Lake. And, you know, I think we talk about the, the fishing opportunities, you know, trout, you can have a good day, and you can go catch a lot of trout, but some of these fish like perch, you have the ability to have an unbelievable day, you know, catch 50 fish, 100 fish. So, you know, it's, it's a good opportunity if you're out there and you want to just catch a bunch of fish. Now, the other great thing about uh, ice fishing is just how inexpensive it is, even compared to other forms of fishing. The gear that you need to get out there is uh, simple and uh, easy to haul around. Yeah, plus it's great for kids because they're right there in arm's length and eyesight. You can look after them and, and experience the joy they're having. So it's a great family event. Just get a little toboggan to drag your junk out there, and what a great afternoon. Uh, I'll tell you one of my uh, favorite things of uh, this form of fishing is just wondering, because it feels like on that little tiny rod, Randy, it feels like you've got a monster, and you never know until the head starts to poke itself up out of the hole what you've got. Yeah, absolutely. It's a surprise, and you know those are, those are thin rods you're using for ice fishing, so every fish feels big. And you know, we talk about perch, bluegill, crappie. I mean, I, I feel like those are fish that are you know smaller than your average trout, but they seem to put per pound a, a lot of punch in, so they, they're, they're particularly surprising on an ice rod. Yeah, a good ice auger is uh, a necessity. A scoop to make sure you keep all the slush out of the uh, ice so that you can see the movement of that line for the most part. Everything else you can think of is pretty inexpensive. I just want to make sure to emphasize, too, a change of clothing because, look, you're going to get wet. Uh, and you don't want uh, hypothermia or something like that, uh, Navi, so you want to make sure you've got a change of clothes in the car. Yep, no bad weather, just bad clothing. And I want to again reiterate, those sunfish, those pan-fried fish turn flat sideways because trying to pull them up is like trying to pull up a brick. <laughs> As part of the fun. Randy Opplinger, thanks as always for your time today. Uh, we'll encourage people to get out there and do a little ice fishing if they haven't done it in a while. It would be a fantastic time to do it. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll do some road tripping here. I, I haven't even had a hint from Bob Grove where we might be headed, but I can't wait to find out as we do a little road tripping. Stay with us. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. KSL Outdoors with Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. What do you say? We're doing a little road tripping this week. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road Where are we headed? We'll find out momentarily. Uh, I understand that Mark Wade is actually in San Diego, so I won't interrupt his day on the beach. But we, we will rattle the chain of Bob Grove, who's with us. Before we talk about where we're headed this week, Bob, give me a little report uh, on the back end of your trip down to Ruby's and uh, our buddy Lance Syrette. 
Well, it was, it, it turned out to be ideal. You know, I had been watching the weather forecast all winter, waiting for the perfect conditions to go right after a snowstorm on a clear day to get those pristine conditions. And it worked out perfectly for me. Um, and I did go over and look at the ice ribbon. We were talking about trying, I know Lance was trying to describe what the ice ribbon looked like. Yeah. And I wish I had my drone with me because it's hard to take a picture of it from the ground level. I, if I'd flown above it, have given a good view of it but it's it's a it's not an oval it's kind of a curvy uh, there's not uh, ice on the center section it's just around the perimeter of the track oh. and it kind of curves in a in a in a circle well it sounds you, sounds like it'd be fun yeah it's it looks really cool i mean they were just getting ready to open when i was there and i understand that it's open now all right. Uh, we also talked when we had both you and Lance on last week about uh, the opportunities to snowshoe down there at uh, Bryce Canyon. We're going to talk more snowshoeing this week, but you want to take us someplace else. Yeah. this I just learned about this just this week, that beginning this weekend, as we speak, that uh, Cedar Breaks National Monument will be having ranger-led snowshoe hikes. I'm very excited about this because I really want to get in there and get some pictures of Cedar Breaks. And they've got, as everybody does in the state, a lot of snow. And so these are going to be ranger-led. They're about a 90-minute snowshoe hike. You meet right at the junction of one of highways 143 and 148. So from the north, you just go up Highway 143 through Parowan Canyon, Bryan Head. And when you get to the top, you'll see where the junction's come where the junction is where the two roads come together and that's where you'll meet reservations are required they expect this to be very popular so you'll want to i'll have that information on our blog but i'm i'm excited about this they will supply snowshoes and poles so you don't even have to bring your own that was my next uh, my next question and i mean i'm speaking personally here but my guess is some people have not ventured out to do snowshoeing a because they don't uh, know where to go, but B, maybe they're a little afraid of doing it themselves. So to have a ranger right there with you, I think is a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. And he'll give a ranger talk, you know, tell a little bit more about Cedar Breaks. Cedar Breaks to me is one of the most underdiscovered parks, you know, national monuments we have in the state. And it is beautiful. I mean, it is of the caliber of a national park. They're, they're building a new visitor center right now. The road, Highway 148, is closed during the winter months from Highway 14 over to 143. That's closed during the winter months. So there's, uh, I think you can uh, snowmobile. You, you know, in fact, we did. I think you, me, and Russ went out there that one time. We snowmobiled on the road out to one of the lookout points. Yeah. Um, that was a long place. time ago. It was. You know, it's at 10,400 feet. So there's going to be a lot of snow, and there's going to be a lot of snow all the way into the summer months. Yeah. I, I hate to admit that because uh, it's such a beautiful trip and uh, is so worthwhile. We just don't get down that way all that often, uh, but we'd love to uh, take another swing at it. And every time I say that, we get an offer to come down and, uh, you know, do some things in the area, including uh, being down there at uh, Brian Head Resort. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, speaking of Brian Head, nice segue. Um, they, you know, what I'm doing is a little roundup of, of things happening in southwest utah so brian had right next door is about three miles from cedar breaks from the north lookout point and uh, they currently have a 78 inch uh depth base depth so you know it's not alta or snowbird the depths they've got up there but 78 inches this time of year is awfully good and, yeah no, but and, did you uh, hear you hear about their development plans we were talking about that this week on uh, utah's morning news 
it's going to be a ski-in, ski-out community they call Aspen Meadows with uh, some townhomes and condominiums and hotels. Uh, they're talking about a new lodge, but they're also talking about opening up some more terrain. Yeah, this, you know, I, I've been, you know, I was a lift operator there right. in college, and I worked with the original owner, uh, Bert Nichols, and the master plan always called for additional development going out into this region. So the new owners have come in and said, let's make it happen and, and uh, other developers. So yeah, it'll be it'll, It's years from now, but boy, I tell you, that'll be really amazing when it's done because it is great terrain. Yeah. And uh, they've got the room. They're going to do it in phases and it'll roll out over a 30 year period. So hopefully the commitment of the new ownership is obviously stretching out that far, but as something we'll look forward to being able to report on. Uh, back to the snowshoeing with a ranger at uh, Cedar Breaks. It's just Saturdays and Sundays, and how do people make arrangements to be a part of it? It's an afternoon thing too, right? Yeah, they'll do it Friday after. They'll have one uh, walk on uh, snowshoe hike on Friday afternoon, and then two on Saturday and two on Sunday. There's a number they can call to make reservations. Again, I'll have this on my blog, but it's 435-986-7120. And also the park entrance fee will be required. So if you have an annual pass, that'll get you in. If not, it's $10. All right. And the website, uh, or I guess you can uh, email uh, reservation information to cedarbreaksinfo at nps.gov. But I would just recommend people go follow you at uh, Road Trippin' with Bob and Mark. That's a good way to do it, too. Yeah, yeah, we'll have all that information there. All right, uh, great idea and something new to talk about this morning on uh, KSL Outdoors Radio. Bob, thank you. You bet. Thanks, guys. We will uh, take a break here. We've got a news update, and then on the other side, we're headed to Sundance Resort, who has just been getting rounds and rounds of snow because of the way these storms have been coming in from the south. If the Sierras don't gobble up all of the precipitation, they're getting hit. And I'm looking forward to learning more about what's going on there, so stay with me. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.